Our scripture this morning is in Galatians chapter 6. And it's a common text. It's one, according to the notes here in my Bible, it's one that I've preached on here before. It's one I'm sure Brother Eric has preached on. It's one that is very familiar to probably everyone in the building. And it's quite appropriate for this time of the year. In Galatians chapter 6, we'll begin reading in verse 7, and then I want to break it down for just a minute. Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 7, Paul writes, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let's pray together this morning. Father, thank you for the opportunity to stand here this morning and to look into your word. I pray that you would speak through me, and I pray that uh, everything that's said here this morning would be what you would have to be said. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts, give us the message that you need each of us to hear this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Galatians chapter 6, this is the law of sowing and reaping. You know it, don't you? Some of you are getting ready to experience. Brother Eric said the purple hole peas are getting ready to come off. You know, the, the law of sowing and reaping is a scientific law. But you know, every scientific law, every scientific fact is also a law of God. You know, and some of them we, we grasp. Some of them we hold on to. Kind of like probably one that I really try to hold on to is the law of gravity. You don't believe it's in the Bible? Jesus said, lo, I am with you always. No. Well, I misinterpreted that scripture. But the law of gravity, it's a scientific law. We all hold on to it, don't we? We all believe in the law of gravity. Sometimes we don't like gravity. But how many of you this morning, let's make this interactive for a minute. How many of you believe that if I let go of this hymnal, it's going to fall and hit the ground? Can I see a show of hands? You believe that this morning? First time some of you ever raised your hand in church. Not everybody raised their hand, so some people must believe this thing's going to float. Well, I've just got to try it. Let's see what happens. It fell. It wasn't as loud as I'd hoped it'd be, but it fell. The law of gravity works. The law of sowing and reaping here in Galatians chapter 6, we see it in life every day. It's not just an agricultural law. It is a law of life. And we see it every day, but unfortunately, although we always believe in the law of gravity, there is probably never a time in your life you think, well, if I step off this cliff, I'll just float. You know you're going to fall. You know that if you're three rings up on a ladder, you can't just step off and hope for the best. You've got to go down the ladder. Yet we go through life, 
and we say, well, I wonder why that happened. Well, it's because of what you sowed at some point earlier. Now you're reaping what you sowed. So I want you to remember as we go through this that the law of sowing and reaping is just as real as the law of gravity. It is just as consistent and just as constant and just as predictable. And get this, it's just as impartial as the law of gravity. No one is exempt from it. Before we get to that, in the first part of verse 7, real quick, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this this morning. I just We don't want to skip it at all. Paul says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He starts this off here, this little section of his letter, with a warning, a very stark warning. He says, God will not be mocked, so don't be deceived about what you're doing. In the Amplified Bible, it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He will not allow himself to be ridiculed nor treated with contempt, and he will not allow his precepts to be scornfully set aside. What's a precept? It's a rule governing behavior. The Bible says God will not allow you to scorn, to turn your nose up at his rules governing human behavior. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. There is judgment for those who mock God by living a life contrary to his teaching. And Paul says don't be deceived. There's no escaping it. We get through the warning, and we come into the law of the harvest. Because we need to know there are results to if we turn our nose up at God's laws, if we turn our nose up at God's precepts, his, his conditions for human behavior, if we sow those seeds, we will reap the results. But see, there's other sowing and reaping that goes along as well. As we were in uh, the Atlanta metro area a few weeks ago now with our teenagers, what were they doing every single day? While we, Whether we were sorting cans or sorting clothes or pulling weeds out and thinking, surely they didn't sow these on purpose, <laughs> pulling weeds out of the garden, guess what they were doing? The teenagers were sowing seeds. You know, sometimes they were sowing seeds into the lives of others. But sometimes because of the work they were doing, Seeds were being planted within themselves that one day, I hope, and I know because the law is true, if you sow the seeds, the harvest will come. This is the exciting part of this promise. This is the part that was going through my mind all week long. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Why do we go through life failing to acknowledge that principle? You know, as we go through here, we'll see it talks about doing good. Why do we stop doing good? Why do we pass up opportunities to do good when we know that whatever we sow, that we will also reap? I like the way Dr. Charles Stanley often puts this. He says, You reap what you sow more than you sow, later than you sow. We know that as an agricultural principle. You plant one seed, 
you don't just get one thing, do you? You get a lot more than you sowed. You don't get it that day. You get it much later. So as we go through life, we need to remember this law of God, this law of nature, that we do indeed reap what we sow. So as we go through our day, think about how we spend our time. What seeds do we plant in our life? Do we plant seeds that are worldly in nature and then wonder why God's not blessing? Do we plant seeds from God's Word that grow us every day more and more into the image of God? You see, the principle is so simple. That's why this is probably one of my second, maybe second to gravity, because I really like gravity most of the time, you know, it keeps me anchored. I don't do heights because of gravity, but that's fine. I like the ground. I'm perfectly happy walking on the ground. You can go climb your big ladders and stuff. I've seen them, Steve and them, let me tell you, I'm not changing these light bulbs up here. No, we got people that do that. The law of the harvest. I like it because it's predictable. I like it because it's true. You know, I've encountered people, and you have too, who are always mad. They run off anybody that comes around. They can't make friends because all they do is somebody gets close to them, and then they stab them in the back. And then they wonder why nobody wants to be around them, right? It's because the law of the harvest is true. We need to be especially mindful of this as parents. And Brother Bob touched on that just a moment ago, talking about how how, uh, parents had come through another hospitality house and now their son attends his. Do you know why Islam is the fastest growing religion on the face of this planet today? Because they grasp the law of sowing and reaping. They grasp that concept. Do we? The Proverbs, in Proverbs 22 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's sowing and reaping. Do we grasp that? I heard it not long ago, and I like this. Parents, I hope you're listening. It is not our job to raise good kids. And you're th- some of you are thinking, good. Because <laughs> I've been worried about that. It's not our job to raise good kids. It is our job to raise healthy Christian adults. You see, as we're raising our children, we need to think about what they're going to look like as adults. What's their personality going to be like? Are they going to serve God? Are they going to work in his church? You know what all that has to do with? How are they going to treat people? That has to do with the seeds that you and I sow in their lives today. It has to do, you know, we we sow the seeds as we tell them what to do, but more importantly, we sow the seeds as we live our lives out in front of them. Sowing and reaping applies to every aspect of life. So what does this have to do with the mission trip we took? What does this have to do with the teenagers and the things they do? It's because everything they did was the equivalent of sowing a seed. 
It's an example to every one of us. What they did for those uh, four or five days that we worked is an example to every single one of us in this room today and how we should live our lives intentionally. Now, granted, some of them did what they did because we told them to be at the bus by 8 o'clock to go, but guess what? Even though they might not have, they, they went on the trip voluntarily far as I know, they did what they did because we instructed them to. That was our planting a seed in them. And whether they were pulling weeds or sorting clothes or walking around a shopping center, everything they did was planting a seed. And you may say, well, I've tried that and nothing happened. You may say, well, that's good and all that y'all did that work, but where's the results? You may say, I've worked in a ministry. I never saw results. I did my time and nothing happened. You may say, I've talked with people. I've prayed with people. I prayed for this one person for years and years and years, and nothing happened. Well, Paul doesn't leave that out. Look at verse 9. Paul says, and let us not grow weary while doing good. Stop right there for a minute. Don't grow weary while doing good. What does that word weary mean? It means exhausted. It means tired. Don't become exhausted. Keep pressing on. Why? Back in verse 9, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Keep pressing on. Because we will reap. In order for us to see the increase, in order for us to see the harvest, in order for us to see the results of the things that we do on behalf of the Father, we have to keep working. We have to keep working. The whole process of sowing and reaping never, ever ends. And I think that's what we forget about. We forget about that. And we say, I've done my time. We say, you know what, I tried that. Or maybe we tried that, and it didn't work. Paul says, don't grow weary. You know, sometimes we grow weary. We grow exhausted because we've worked and worked and worked, and we never saw the increase. Sometimes, you know this, sometimes we grow weary because we grew lazy. And as we grow lazy, and we're not necessarily planting, we're not necessarily sowing new seeds, we're not tilling the ground, so to speak, anymore. The weeds grow up around our work, and sometimes the weeds can choke that out. How many of you plant a garden and you plan it, work it for a week or two, and then go in the house and say, well, when the vegetables come out, I'll go back out there again. When it's ready, I'll go out and I'll get my harvest. You're out there every day, aren't you? You're out there every day doing something in the garden, and yet we think that our work for God should be something maybe we do once a week. And Paul says it's just like your garden. 
Working for God is an everyday, every moment adventure. Don't grow weary. You see, there's a hidden part that we don't see. And Paul doesn't mention it here, but he mentions it over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says this, talking about the law of the harvest, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, his helper, his helper watered, but God gave the increase. God brought the harvest. We've just got to keep planting. We've just got to not grow weary. Whatever we're doing, whether we're working here on a local level, whether we're working to support one of our mission efforts far away, Alaska's a long way away. Atlanta, on a bus with teenagers, is a long way away. Don't grow weary. And there's one last thing. You might say, well, if only I had the chance. Say, well, I didn't have the chance to go on a mission trip. You say, I've never had the chance to do that. Oh, I look every day for an effort to minister to someone. But I've just never had the chance. Look at verse 10. Paul says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. And you said, that's it, Brother Jeremy. Paul says, as we have opportunity, and I just haven't had the opportunity. Let me tell you, Paul's not talking about random opportunities. Paul's not talking about, oh, somebody just happened to stop by who was in need and I gave them $5. Look at me. Let me give you a translation of what that means. Here's what he means. Maybe in South Arkansas, you're alive, you have an opportunity. Paul says, therefore, since we have an opportunity. Therefore, since you're still breathing, and I think everyone in the room is breathing. Maybe not everybody's awake, but everybody's breathing. You have opportunity. Paul says, as you have opportunity, and you do, do good to all. Do good to all. Now, what is this good? What does he mean? do good. A literal translation of that is do the good. Paul says, as we, since we have opportunity, do the good. What is the good? It's the good that can only be produced in our lives by the Holy Spirit. It's the good that can only be produced through the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. How, do, how are those fruits produced in our lives as we work to live more like He's called us to live? But you know what? It's a good that's completely unrestricted. It's a good that is extended to anyone and everyone, no matter who they are and no matter what they've done. So to that person who isn't like us, that person who does things that we would never do, that person who doesn't look like us, that person who doesn't talk like us, that person who may smell a little, don't point at anybody, that person who you would never associate with, 
within your social circles, Paul says, do good to all. Paul says, do good. Because do you know what? By doing good, you never know the seed that is planted. And you never know the harvest that might come by doing good. He says, do good to all. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. Especially to those who are in the church. Why? Because you know what it looks like to the outside world when we won't even help each other? They don't want to be part of a group that won't help each other. They don't want to be a part of a group that stabs each other in the back. But you know, Paul, I'm sorry, not Paul, Peter wrote about this over in 1 Peter. He said, you know what? Just as back then it happens today too. Did you know people talk bad about the church? Did you know people talk bad about Christianity? Peter said the quickest way to shut that down is to do good. The quickest way, he says, to silence foolish people is to do good. You tired of people talking bad about you? Do good. You tired of people running down the church? I'm not talking about Bristol. I'm talking about the church as a whole. Let's make an effort to do more good. When's the best time to do good? You say, oh, there's got to be a best time. Is it in the morning? Some people are morning people. Is it in the evening? Some people, some people are just kind of a middle-of-the-day type person. I live with one of those or a couple of those people. I'm not calling names. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3 as we wrap up. In Proverbs chapter 3, it tells us exactly when the best time is to do good. You're going to thank me for this because I know some of you have been struggling with doing good because you simply didn't know when to do it. You didn't know when to do good. And so I'm going to help you with it. I'm not going to help you with it. God's Word's going to help you with it. I'm just going to point it out to you. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27. It says, Do not withhold good from those whom it is due when it's in the power of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back, and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. When's the best time to do good? Right now. When's the best time to do good? As soon as you see the need. The proverb says, if you have the ability to do good and you don't do it, you're wrong. If you have the ability to help somebody, help somebody. So walking through, I'm not saying this to promote myself. I'm just giving you an example. I gave, I think, the, the teenagers this example a while back. I'm walking through the Walmart parking lot, and there's a lady trying to put a big old microwave in her car. She says, can you help me with this? Well, I had the ability to do good. didn't matter how big of a hurry I was in. I also get a lot of, Brother Eric may get a lot of requests to help with stuff on the top shelf. That's right. Do good. If you have, you see, what I'm telling you is that doing good can, is as you go, as you go about your day-to-day life, do good. Because you never know what seed you're planting. If you have the ability to do it, do it. Not so that you can be praised. Not so that people can talk about how sweet you are. 
even though I love it when I help an old lady in Walmart and she tells me I'm sweet. That's not our point. The point is because Jesus said, let your light so shine before men. Let others see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. We can do good where we're at in our community. Brother Bob does a lot of good. His family does a lot of good in Alaska. We can do good as we support all of these ministries. But we can do good as we go about our day-to-day lives. Sowing seeds in our community of good works that may inspire someone else to do something good. Can you imagine the world we'd live in if we all just did what this book says and we did good wherever we went? So as we prepare for our invitation this morning, I want to remind you, church, that we're not called to sit still. Another reminder this morning that as the church, we're never called just to come to church. We're called to be the church outside these walls. We love the slogan that's on the back of our t-shirts, the church has left the building, but my question to you this morning and my challenge to you this morning is don't just leave the building. Do something while you're out there. Do something good while you're out there. Don't just do something good. Do the good. Do the good that God has called you to do. You can't do that without a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this morning, I hadn't preached an evangelical message, but I want you to know that if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, He's calling you this morning. If you'd like to know more about salvation through Jesus Christ, if you'd like to know more about the only way you can ever go to heaven, I hope you'll come forward this morning. I hope you'll talk to Brother Eric or I talk to somebody before you leave this place. And I hope we'll all leave here this morning and go throughout this week with an effort to do the good. Would you stand and we'll sing.